On May 1st, 2017, the State of Victoria introduced a new document that must be prepared by all real estate agents with the purpose of being viewed by all potential buyers when buying residential real estate. This document is called the Statement of Information and is there to protect buyers from a situation of underquoting a property to get buyers in the door. Today, we are going to find out how to understand the Statement of Information and how to read between the lines. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Real Estate Right brings you the best experts, easy to understand information and helpful hints when buying, selling, renting or investing in real estate. Check out our back catalogue of informative episodes that will guide you on any part of your real estate journey with all the information you've wanted to know but have not known where to turn. Real Estate Right, we are here to help you get your real estate right. Ash Martin is the director of Ash Martin Realty, a boutique agency servicing the Mornington Peninsula. Ash and his team are a breath of fresh air when it comes to estate agents. Their marketing style is unique and their approach to selling is highly focused on making things easy for the consumer. Their Frankston office is a notable landmark for passers-by after its new renovation. Welcome, Ash. How are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming into the studios. Now, at Ash Martin Realty, you're also noted for helping the community. So tell us about a couple of things you've done and continue to do to help take the stress out of real estate for the community. I think one of the most recent examples would be helping Nat Russell's parents, so Carmel and Brian Russell, that was one, um, unfortunately, Natalie was one of the victims of Paul Denyer, the serial killer in 1993. Yes. Um, and someone approached me and expressed that they were about to be kicked out of their home because the owner of the property was selling it because they were ill yes. and needed to, to sell it. And they were basically going to be evicted from the home they mm. love. And I just remember thinking, geez, this is something that could be salvaged if the right person got involved in it. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, contacted them. They were happy to chat with me. We ended up taking on the sale pro bono with the with the homeowners. And within that, we rallied the community to assist in renovating the house free of charge over the course of three or four weeks. Yeah. Um, and we ended up selling the home to an investor on the condition that they would keep them in the property for the foreseeable future so that they could live out their golden years in, in the home that they love. So nice. that was, yeah, that was a really, uh, really great thing to be a part of. Yeah, I'm sure it would have been, which is great. Now, into the questions, we're talking about understanding the statement of information. So, Ash, can you tell our listeners what is a statement of information? Sure. So, essentially, statement of information is the agent's opinion of what the owner will realistically consider and accept. Okay. There's two parts to the statement of information, okay. and it's important not to confuse the two. Yeah. So, the estimate that you're seeing, which, for example, might be 1 to 1.1, 1. 1, is the reflection of what we believe the owner is going to accept based on what they've told us and based on the conversations you've had with them. Yeah. The part that is reserved for the agent's opinion is the comparables. Okay. So although it's unlikely, there could theoretically be a situation where you've got 1 to 1.1 on a statement of information mm. and then you've got the comparable properties at 550 to 600 theoretically. Okay. So sometimes you see that great discrepancy and you think, okay, well, why have they put those 5 to 550s 
when they're suggesting it's a mill mill yeah. and a half. Yeah, and mil, it's yeah, mill point one. Yeah, it's a balancing act because you know we have an obligation to advise our clients correctly, and yeah. it's not not uncommon for an owner to want above and beyond what's likely mm. to happen. And obviously, there's conversations that happen with those owners, and we're doing our best to educate them so that the yeah. advertised price can be realistic. But it's not always possible. There are some owners that, for whatever reason, just want to give it a shot mm. at a million dollars, and. If they have expressed to us clearly that they will not accept less than $1 million, you can't advertise it at 8 to 880 even if that is the opinion that yeah. you've got for the property. So would you take on the property as an agent? Probably not. Because it's a pretty far reach going double. Yeah. I think in this day and age, it's not that difficult to educate somebody. And Mm. you obviously want to give someone hope that, you know, if there is a price at a million dollars, that it will happen as a result of competition and Mm. from pricing that property appropriately. So what are the rules with the comparable properties that you need to show on the uh, statement of information? If you're talking Metro Melbourne, it's two kilometres and Mm. it's six months. The sale needs to be relevant and within the last six months. Okay. Um, And so how about what's what's, uh, the morning to finish considered? Is that Metro or is that considered regional? yes. See, we get caught into two different little realms. Yep. And if it was metro, if it was uh, regional. regional, then it would be five kilometres and 18 months. Okay. So that it doesn't vary that much. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Yes. We, I've, I had a nice big chat with Business Victoria last week about, um, you know, is this regional or not? Yep. <laughs> it's always the same when with like competitions and um, awards. You yeah. Know, are you regional? Are you, are you metro? Yeah. So apparently... We are metro for the sake of COVID, mm-hmm. but we are regional for the sake of the travel vouchers. Oh, yeah. Oh, how funny. Yeah. What a shame. <laughs> so I could have a holiday in my backyard. Yeah. But I am you... stuck in COVID. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, well, it is what it is. Now, um, okay. So this is one thing that has always confused me a little bit. Now, with a two-kilometre rule, for instance, I'm in Somerville. Mm-hmm. Most of my listeners know that. Our median range is around $720,000. Maruduck is less than two kilometres away from my house, yet their median range is $1.7 million. You'd find the same in different pockets of Frankston and it would be the same for other different parts of Melbourne. How can you put those comparable properties Short answer is you can't. And if you're trying to operate without integrity, yes, you probably could do that. I don't know to what benefit. As I said, with the examples, we're trying to demonstrate how we, the agent, have arrived at our conclusion. Um, But theoretically, yes. You have got to keep in mind, though, that consumer affairs, they've got the exact same information, access to data that we have. Mm. And, you know, if you were someone that was pulled for potentially misleading clients and consumers, mm. they're, they're going to ask you the questions that, you know, we're talking about now. What did you look at? What information were you yeah. relying upon? And you want to make sure you've got a good answer for that. And I think, yeah. you know, in a high-density area like this, there would be more than enough comparables within probably 800 metres mm. that you wouldn't need to be looking outside of the um, the suburb. Yes. Yeah, that's that's probably the fairest point. And, you know, if you're a, uh, you know, transparent agent, you'd also uh, be doing it that way anyway. Yes. Yeah. So when we're looking for a statement of information, I have no idea where I'd be looking for it. Where could I find it? You would find it in hopefully the most obvious place online. So if you're on REA, I believe it's sort of halfway down the page. If you're on a mobile app, it's at the top left. If you're on your desktop, and it's just pressing the button. It's just pressing a button. It opens up a PDF and that displays the um the statement information. Yes. Okay. So it's amazing how many people don't look for it. When I was speaking to Lisa, my PA, about it, she said, 
I didn't even know that was there. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So, uh, uh, you know, maybe they need to put a big, you know, purple <laughs> star around it or something to make it a bit more obvious. But, um, yes, it is definitely there in black and white. It is there. Does a vendor have to accept a price within the price range of that shown on the statement of information? The short answer is no with a but. Mm. So you've got to remember when you're considering an offer as an owner, you're generally considering it on multiple factors. So yeah. one is price, one or two might be conditions, three might be settlements, settlement terms. Mm-hmm. So if an owner turned out an offer on the basis of price alone, say it was an unconditional offer, then the answer is yes. They either have to accept it or if the offer is rejected, then the agent needs to adjust the advertised price and the statement information to be more in line with what we now know to the owner's new estimate or yeah. likely sale price. Okay. So, for instance, if a house was, I'm going to go the million-dollar thing, million to 1.1, somebody comes in with an offer for... One, one million and fifty. One million fifty. Yep. Unconditionally, and they, and they express that their settlement terms are flexible and they'll meet whatever the owner's desire is. Yeah. And the owner rejected that, you would then legally need to adjust the bottom end of that quote range to a million and fifty as a minimum. Yeah. Okay. And that has to be in the statement of information and it needs to be available to the public. Yes. And there's a few further buts because, okay. you know, in an auction campaign, most owners and most agents aren't looking to consider offers prior to the auction. So what mm-hmm. most agencies would do is they would have a document. It's called a considerations of offer form. And it's something that is essentially an instruction from the owner that says to the agent, please don't bring me formal offers prior to the auction. Okay. So that's another little step in the process. Yes, and, and it's reasonable because, you know, an owner's coming to market, they're wanting to create the best environment for themselves without mm-hmm. doing anything um, unintegral or anything that's to disadvantage of buyer, but they want to give themselves the best opportunity. And some people just want to see the auction day take effect. Yeah. Yes, yes. It's um, Sometimes it's a process. And it's, it's generally because of things like, it might be an executive estate. There's lots of executives, so they need to see totally. the whole process go. It might be a divorce. They need to take it to a market. Absolutely. You know, all yep. those sort of little things that Many may factors. not be may not be evident Absolutely. Yes. through the whole process. So, yeah. Okay, so we're going to have a short break and come back with more from Ash Martin from Ash Martin Realty with some of his inside information about the Statement of Information. Now, you're listening to Real Estate Right, and we are talking to the fabulous Ash Martin from Ash Martin Realty, and we are talking about the Statement of Information. Now, Ash, are there any tricks to the Statement of Information that could put a buyer in a better, more confident position to get their offer accepted? I don't think so. Okay. I honestly feel like just having honest, open conversations with the agent is going to give you the best advantage in itself. You know... We're not looking for gotcha moments. You know, we're, we're dealing with something that's quite complex. We're trying to balance the interests of the owner, the interests of the buyer. You know, it's a, it yeah. is a challenging thing to do. Yes. And I think people forget that, that we're not out there to do anything other than try and create the best environment for everybody. So yeah. just have an honest conversation. And I say the same thing when you're expressing interest in a home. There's, yes, there's strategies at auctions that people like to think work. But if you're just talking a private sale, I think it is just helpful to be transparent yeah. and, and share your thoughts and hopefully the agent will do the same. Yeah. I think you'd be surprised how transparent the agent will be when given the opportunity. Yeah. And the transparency could be, look, you know what, I've been given 
the okay from the bank to spend $800,000, but I really I don't want to be getting a mortgage out for that much. Yeah. I only want to get the mortgage out for seven hundred. dollars So that's my, that's my firm offer. Yeah. You know? And you've got to remember the market we're in too because I think the time for strategy, if you like, might be when the, the power has shifted a little bit in the buyer's favour where there's you know a bunch of properties on the market and very few buyers. Mm. They're, they're the times when you've got a little bit more control and influence. Mm. You know, you've got to remember right now we're seeing 30, 40, 50 groups to a singular open home and from that we might receive up to 10 offers on a property. Yeah. So it is helpful to know if you've got genuine interest there's almost no time for games and yeah. anything but transparency because we want to be able to prioritise the, the parties that are genuinely interested in presenting something in writing so we can formalise that as quickly as possible and present it. Yeah. Yeah, makes complete sense. Now, as we were just speaking, um, we are currently in a seller's market. How should buyers be looking at the statement of information when the market just keeps moving so fast? It's a great question because... I've always said real estate is a little bit like looking in the rearview mirror mm. because the sales data from today won't be public for two, three months' time. So, you know, as agents having conversation with current homeowners that are about to go to market, they're looking at data from three months ago. Mm. So it can be difficult in the moving market to, to appropriately price a property. Yes. And I guess there is some obligation on agents to make sure that they are actively researching sales that have maybe taken place that the result hasn't been published yet. Mm. On You know, there is there is an element of that, but... As the market is moving, yes, it is more challenging to, to accurately quote. Yes. And, and it also creates an environment where buyers probably are more likely to point at underquoting, but sometimes it's just simply the fact the market is moving quicker than, than we know. Yes. If, if a property goes price goes undisclosed, that doesn't get released till after the settlement. That's right. Yeah. So if they're like two-month, three-month, five-month, 12-month settlements, you can't include those properties in those statements of information until they become public. That's right. Mm. Yeah, so okay. consumer affairs are very clear that even if there is an agreement between the agent and an owner or seller of a property not to disclose a sale price, that doesn't relinquish an agent's responsibility to have that front of mind when they are quoting yeah. a valuation on a property. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So assume, assuming that's one of their properties that they've, Assuming so, that's right. If, if, if yeah. they really generally don't have access to the data, they don't have access to yeah. it. But, yes, that, that is something that they've been very clear about. Yeah. So if it's a three-bedroom home at a end of court and it's sold for 600 not allowed to disclose it, you know, and you're yeah. there saying, look, we think your house is worth six to 620 maybe, and they're like, well, what are you going there on? It's like, well, we know there's been a house around the corner from here that's sold for something similar to that. and You've got you've got to take into account yeah. all the information that you know to be true, even if that's mm. not public. Mm. I think that's the short of it yeah. from CAB's opinion. Yeah, fair enough. As you said before, we get you're getting sometimes ten offers per property, sometimes almost every weekend because yes. it's such a hot market at the moment. So, what would be considered a written offer now in this sort of circumstance? Yeah, it's it's anything in writing that conveys a purchaser's intent to purchase okay. and it will have a figure in the settlement terms. Essentially, that's what defines an offer. Okay. And so it could be, be on a napkin? On such. could be on a napkin. Um, could be. If it meets those criteria where it states a price and the terms associated with it, then it is deemed an offer. Yeah. So an email, an email, a text, text message. Text, a, a smoke signal. Smoke signal. <laughs> <laughs> All good. Um, so what's your best tip for buyers entering a hot market? Communication. Yeah. I, as I said and kind of touched on earlier, I think that is the most helpful thing you can do is mm. just have clear 
uh, conversation with the owner, with the clear conversation. Oh, I think I need another coffee almost. <laughs> yeah, just being transparent with the with the agent that's representing the property. Share yeah. with them as much as you can. Don't be coy with your interest in the property because yeah. you want them to remember you when they're you know, when they're doing their callbacks, you want to make sure that they are reaching out to you if there's a change, you know, to the advertised price or the expectations that the owner's got yeah. um, or an offer presentation date. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks so much, Ash, for coming into the Real Estate Right Studios today. Now, do you have any amazing offers for our Real Estate Right listeners? Just for you, Sue. So yeah. we decided we'd offer three months free leasing management for anyone who brings their investment property to Ash Martin Realty after hearing of this podcast. Um, so if they've got any family or friends they want to bring across, just mention you and yeah. um, we'd love to help them with three months through management. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, how can listeners get in touch with you if they want to take up this offer? They can call me. They can email me. Um, Instagram's another great communication channel yeah. that's becoming more and more popular. So however they want to reach me, they can. My okay. Instagram is yeah. Ash Martin. So it's A-S-H-M-A-R-T-O-N. Yeah. Um, that's my handle and my mobile is 0437-754-372. Beautiful. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you, you on. Now, next week we have former Australian rugby player and NRL Gold Coast Titans player Matt Sarama on to talk to us about buying property in Queensland. Matt hung up the football boots in 2016 and turned to buyer advocacy to help buyers buy property in Queensland. With Victoria being in regular lockdowns, Matt is going to talk to us about how a slice of Queensland sunshine is not only a great move for Victorians, but good for the soul. So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is a real copyright production hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada. I would like to thank Podbean for hosting our podcast, Premium Beat for our theme music, and Francis Morello for his voiceover. Real Copyright is a leading real estate copywriting service throughout Melbourne. If you would like your property copywritten by Real Copyright, please book your copy through orders at realcopyright.com.au. If you would like us to help, create more valuable real estate information for the people of Melbourne in this podcast. Contact sue at realestateright.com.au. Thanks for listening to Real Estate Right.